This is The Topic is Trek, episode 153, for Friday, February 9th, 2024. Coming up in this episode, Mars Rocks. It's still award season. Voyager takes on a side quest. All that and more, right now on The Topic is Trek. Soval, and thanks for all the plumbing soup. Welcome to The Topic is Trek, the podcast that runs on impulse power. Join us for a journey where no show has gone before. If it has to do with Star Trek, there's a good chance we'll talk about it. Sooner or later, because on this show, The Topic is Trek. Engage already! Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another thrill-packed edition of The Topic is Trek. I am Clinton, one of your co-hosts here on The Topic is Trek. And, you know, as I always like to say, I can't be a co-host without other hosts. So first, beaming in from Parts Unknown with the hip new catchphrase, it's going to be all the craze on the interwebs. Tomorrow, not tonight, but tomorrow, it's Mr. Craig Step. Yo, Adrian. Well, I mean, that's very <laughs> targeted to a very specific person. So well, yeah. Adrian's going to appreciate it, but I don't know about anybody else. Okay. Well, if you if you come up with a greeting that includes every name everyone on the planet has then yeah okay that, that, that'll work well it was on planet adrian that's oh that's what it, yeah so we're addressing the planet as we know <laughs> as you know if you're if you're on planet adrian everybody's name is adrian. Chuck, got it chuck's not buying it <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of somebody not buying it also being beaming in to join us is mr chuck tomasi move along home there you go. Oh, let's not. No, let's not do that. Yeah. Let's not do that at all. Well, it's been uh, quite a while since uh, we had our last episode. It's been a while since our last confession uh, here on the topic is track. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anybody been up to anything exciting except being in this little box here on the internet? I got, I got a, a new gift. Shh. Oh, yeah, oh yes. Good. And that's. Strangely enough, looks exactly like mine over there. So I won't go pick mine up and, and have it drop on the, on the floor. Well, I guess I better go. Okay, so we better explain to the listeners what's going on with the swishing right. effects. So there we go. We, we all hey, have an NX01. Clinton's got, the ba- Clinton's got the background to go with it, too. That's right. <laughs> we all have an NX01 uh, metal model as designed by Doug Drexler. Yeah. This is actually the refit. It's the refit, which is now Canon. Oh yeah, and I because it was the bottom piece. I was um I was reading a review of the the model, Mm -hmm. and the person said, and fitting in with the line of the other um, non-canon spaceships in the uh, Eagle Moss line, and they they mentioned the Titan, 
which is now canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. and this, which is now canon. Mm-hmm. And there was one other ship, and I can't remember its name. I figure well, only a matter of time for that one now. Cause... Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, actually, I ordered these from Master Replicas and uh, for all three of us, and I ordered them uh, early December. I just happened to see, uh, as Doug Drexler was talking about, you know, signing all the, the little plaques for it. And I went, whoa, I said, that's pretty cool. So I figured we had to get one. I ordered it, and I was like, I'm not getting a shipping uh, notice. I'm not getting a shipping notice. And then uh, January rolls around. I'm not getting a shipping notice. <laughs> mm, limited. Limited edition of 500. So we have three of them. That's right. We cornered the market. market Thank you, Craig. (laughs) That's right. So actually, I was very surprised how hefty it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it feels like it's made out of pewter or something. It's got a weight to it. Yeah. Especially the the other, the only other metal chip that I have is the Hallmark NXL one, which is also metal. So I pre retrofit. That's pretty good. Don't know yeah. what it is with metal with those ships. So, I, and after uh, getting this, I started thinking I kind of want another one. Um, I did see the Cerritos on there, uh, as well as some others. Um, anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of ships on there. You know, of course, uh, those are the where Eagle Moss landed <laughs> um, after it went under. Right. Um, so we want to take a minute here with the introduction to the program was a, a little fun play on words, but we are indeed sad to note um, that the, the passing of Gary Graham, the actor who portrayed Vulcan ambassador Saval on Star Trek enterprise. Right. Uh, Graham also starred in the TV, TV adaptation of alien nation, which I recall watching at the yes. time. I like that show. Yes. I like the movie. We were just talking about that like this past show. week. Mm-hmm. He also appeared in uh Dozens of television shows. We're going to include his internet movie database page to check out some of the stuff and movies such as The Last Warrior and All the Right Moves. Gary was only 73. And from all of us here at the topic is Trek, our thoughts go out to Gary's family and friends. He bears a resemblance, in my opinion, anyway, to Timothy Hutton from uh, Leverage. Hmm. I always got those two mixed up. Yep. Okay. Oh, I also put in the uh, the show notes a link to uh, the first piece that they released from the Axonar. That was supposed to be the Axonar movie, not the documentary part, but the part where uh, he and another mm-hmm. uh, Vulcan are walking in the city, and you can see Mont Soleil in the background. Mm-hmm. So I've got a link to that as well in there. Yeah, I remember he was supposed to be in that. Um, he, I did- he they did film his stuff. Um, mm-hmm. he, they filmed some stuff and then uh, apparently they filmed some more stuff several years later. Oh, for well, I'll, you know, one thing I liked about his, uh, about Saval was as on enterprise was he was, he would had a tendency just to show his, uh, frustration <laughs> with, with, uh, with Archer and, and the enterprise enough where you could tell it would come through and then sometimes more than others but it when he when it was subtle you could go oh he's getting agitated (laughs) (laughs) he did a great job i thought he was it was a good vulcan what i what i liked about his character is that his character developed over the course of the four years you know it starts off going uh these these you're not ready you're not ready yeah yeah 
and he ends up helping them form the Federation. You know, it's yeah. just like, I, I give up. I'll just yeah. help you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he was great on that show. I thought he was Indeed. really good. Indeed. All right. Now comes a challenging, let's say challenging part of the show Not because really. we're about to uh, try to do subspace chatter. So we are going to ask Mr. Charlie X. Uh, Charlie, is it okay to do subspace chatter? You don't need all that subspace chatter. Thank you, Charlie. Maybe yeah, he'll, he'll feel better after the Star Trek cruise. Boy, oh, okay. okay. Oh, he's, he's going to be there? Charlie's going to, well, of course, you don't know if he's going to be there. He could be just like fading in and out and fading in and out. And, or, I yeah. could cosplay that. <laughs> If he's any, if he's anything, he's predictable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Craig, you've got the first story here. All right. So the story, this story kept popping up on our Star Trek news feeds. So let's, let's get into this one. All right. NASA Curiosity Rover was, a was a, uh, out taking some pictures of rocks and, you know, dirt and all that kind of stuff on Mars. But one shot was a bit different from others. Looking at the photo, amateur astronomer, Scott Atkinson, Spotted the unmistakable shape of the Starfleet Delta shield right there on the ground. And there it, it is. There's it's a in reverse. In the video. Yeah. He joked about it on X writing. I bet Star Trek fans on the app Mars curiosity team smiled like Cheshire cats when they saw this new image appear on their screens. Of course it wasn't a temporal incursion. It was just a rock that just happened to bear the resemblance of the emblem worn on the Starfleet personnel. I got a rock. <laughs> Charlie Brown is on that team, by the way. But wait, there's there's a bit of a follow-up there, Chuck. Yeah. Although this sort of thing has cropped up on Mars before. You may recall back in 2019, we reported on a giant Delta shield that the Mars <laughs> Reconnaissance Orbiter spotted. Ah, much like something Captain Giorgio would have done. Hmm, very interesting. So we'll have links to that in the show notes for episode 153 over at com. I know what it is about Mars. It, it, it loves its trek. I'll tell you that right now. You think when Giorgio and Michael Burnham were making that Delta Shield in the sand, like, why are we suddenly taking a, you know, an extremely 300 degree turn here? <laughs> Giorgio is like, whoa, 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 it's back here. And right in the corner. And you turn around. You are lost. Yeah, <laughs> admit it. This, we're going exactly in reverse. I can see there are the footprints right there. What are you talking I'd about? I'd say we walked around in a circle, but we've been making some crazy <laughs> angles here, lady. Right. All right. Next up, congratulations to the cast and crew of Star Trek Picard season three. On February fourth, the series picked up four major awards at the fifty-first annual Saturn Awards. There were major awards like lamps. The leg they were. Lamps. They got lamps. They got the leg <laughs> lamps for this. Um, the series won for best science fiction television series, best actor in a television series, Patrick Stewart, best supporting actor in a television series, Jonathan Frakes, and best supporting actress in a television series, Jerry Ryan. And another Paramount Plus series, Strange New Worlds, picked up one award for best featured guest in a television series. And that was for Paul Wesley. You know, I read that and I thought, he's a little more than a guest, I think. At this point, he's like, he's moved in. It's like, <laughs> You've got your own ship. Get Eventually, he's going to take over. He's actually assigned quarters on the Enterprise. <laughs> oh, my. Oh. Yes, indeed. 
All right. So in addition to those honors, several members of the cast members of Star Trek The Next Generation were on hand to receive a special Saturn Lifetime Award achievement, uh, achievement award, excuse me, normally given to an individual. This award was presented to the entire cast for the impact TNG has had on television as a whole. On one hand, I'm sorry, on hand to accept the award were Will Wheaton, Brent Spiner, Gates McFadden, Michael Dorn, Sir Patrick Stewart, and Marina Sirtis. The award was presented by a longtime Trek fan and president of the Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige. How about that? Nice. As we know, you know, Kevin is definitely a well-known uh, fan, certainly of the next generation. Mm-hmm. A lot of what happens in the cinematic universe, you know, like an Endgame and so forth, is really inspired by Trek. So Thanos, very cool. Not Thanos. <laughs> well, maybe uh, Q. I don't know. They got the snap right. So who yeah, knows? <laughs> yeah, could be true. Could be. That's true. All right, what do you got for us next, Chuck? Well, when the next headline came up on our screens, we had to do a double take. And run away, I guess. <laughs> taking a drink. That's as close as I had to a double take. <laughs> oh, boy. Craig almost spit out his drink. I know. I was taking a sip. and <laughs> Wasn't even watching. Deadline.com <laughs> reported that Michelle Yeoh's Star Trek movie adds seven to cast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you can understand her confusion. But no, Jerry Ryan will not be in Section 31. Or will she? Mm. We don't know. But what we do know is that seven more cast members were announced, including, I'm doing my best here, people, Omari Hardwick, Casey Roll, Sam Richardson, Sven Roigrock, Robert Kaczynski, Umberly Gonzalez, James Hiroyu... Help me with that. Hiroyuki Leao? Leao? Okay, we'll go with that. Naturally, no real details were given about what roles each will play. But considering this streaming movie will be about Section 31, we're betting it will be hard to tell which side any character is on. Filming is now underway, and there's been no premiere date announced by Paramount+. Plus. By the way, unless you... Oh, go ahead. I was... As we pointed out a minute earlier when it said movie add seven to cast and it was seven was spelled out. I went, huh? Hmm? Wait, what? And I, I, qu- I quickly clicked on it, even though I was sure I was like, oh, this has got to be some kind of, uh, you know, clickbait kind of thing. Well, <laughs> except that it wasn't I'm thinking the most unintentional clickbait ever, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Add seven to cast. All right. Only the yeah. nerds. How does that even work? I don't know. Let's find out by reading the article. Oh, it doesn't at all. Yeah. All right. Next up. If you're not familiar with the Cinema Therapy YouTube series, it features licensed therapist Jonathan Decker and filmmaker, no relation, by the way, and filmmaker Alan Seawright. The two watch a movie and discuss the underlying themes such as friendship, mental health, and coping with uh, hardship. In the episode released on January 16th, uh, Decker and Seawright are joined by Amanda Gorman, 2020's inaugural poet. That note that's noteworthy on its own. Sorry, I keep flipping back and forth trying to change the slides. Uh, oh. but 
In this episode, Gorman, a Star Trek fan herself, chose the film Star Trek 2009 as the springboard to discuss themes of coming together with shared common ground from different backgrounds and perspectives. They examine how Kirk and Spock learn to overcome their differences to work together. Mm-hmm. We'll have a link to the video in the show notes for episode 153. So of all, and thanks for all the plumbing soup over at the topic is Trek. Dot com. I must yeah, have, have you got, that YouTube channel. Are you guys familiar with the, I've nope. watched several of these cinema uh, therapy uh, episodes. Have you guys watched any of them? I no, seen this it. is new to me. I'll have to go uh, look it up. Yeah. I believe they've also, they've done Star Trek before. I think they did. Um, I think they did Star Trek to the wrath of Khan. Oh, really? Uh, okay. But they, they all sorts of movies and all sorts of different issues and as a as a licensed therapist, um, Jonathan Decker is able to give some insight into different issues and what might be underlying issues with that. And it's uh, it's it's fascinating to to watch and to listen to. So be sure to check it out. All right, all right, Craig, what do you got? So you know, last year we reported on how Nicholas Cage told Yahoo that he was more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. Right. And, you know, you can enjoy both. Nick, come on, give it a break. But what has happened since then, TrekMovie.com ran into Cage at the Saturn Awards, where Nick won the award for his portrayal of Dracula in Renfield. They asked Cage about the interview and if there has been any indication that he might uh, end up in a Trek production. Quote, well, I've been, I'm like, I could do Nicholas Cage. Cage. Do it as Dracula. Yeah, so I've been, (laughs) I've been hearing some talk about it, but nothing real since the 2000. 23 interview uh there were a few comments from paramount but you know who knows but cage had no interest in playing a villain uh, that'll make him an admiral and stick him in an office or something mm. he says i want to be on the bridge i want to be on the enterprise well yeah who knows you know yeah don't, so don't we that, all but you know hey yeah. plenty of red shirts get caught on fire and die on the bridge too yeah what was the uh other enterprise we saw in um, Picard. Oh, uh, not yeah, the, uh, the, it was F. Not, yeah, I guess it was F. Yeah, he could be on that one. <laughs> it's still floating around. Uh, with so many movies in early planning stages, we recommend you stay tuned for more on this topic. Indeed. All right, now I'm, I had a couple more articles. Didn't get a chance to really flesh them out, so I'm gonna get your guys' opinion about these. And the first one here is an article, and uh, this relates to the uh, the comics. But the headline is right there. Uh, Star Trek explains why Harry Kim was never promoted. Hmm. And what do you know? What do you think the reason is that they come up with why he was never promoted? All the command a, positions were already taken. Yeah, it was an issue with uh, Starfleet HR. The answer that they come up with is. He was a spy. What? And the idea was that he needed to stay at a lower position. So he was more, he could be on the bridge, but it's kind of like a lower decks thing going on at the same time. So he had to like avoid. So was Jane weighing in on that? Uh, Well, one would assume so, but I don't know. Hmm. You know, did you think, well, he, he's really good sometimes. And then he like, Drops, you know, the coffee mug, and I yeah. just can't even 
deal or with she, that. She, you know, she felt like she needed to promote him. She just gave him a pip. So put this in your pocket. <laughs> he was he was a Klingon spy who unfortunately got caught in the Badlands and swept around. So where, like, well, that, that didn't was... last long. Now did it? Yeah. And the other story of interest was that we talked before about in the the long pantheon of would be Star Trek Four movies. Uh, we had Noah Hawley's version of it. He's now said that they got they've gotten really far along in the production. Now we knew that they had mm. were doing pre-production on his movie before uh they pulled the plug on it when the new head of the production came in and said, No, let's no, no, no we're not ready right now for this. But he says that they've gotten as far as apparently as casting because Kate Blanchett and Rami Malik might have been the people that starred mm. in his his was a one-off. We don't really know all the details right. of his. But, yeah. So they wouldn't be playing necessarily any characters that we're aware of. Uh, in the interview, he says that he was actually kind of surprised that they got as far as they did in the um, pre-production on this thing because they thought this is a kind of a really hey. interesting, different idea. That's the same kind of thing they uh, uh, a showrunner on Netflix goes – wow, we got four seasons in. I was surprised we got that far before they canceled us. <laughs> yep. Yep. Maybe. Oh, then they looked at, then they turned the balance sheet over and said, Oh, there's stuff on the backside too. Huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is double-sided crap. <laughs> I'd be interested in seeing that match up, you know, whatever they're doing, you know, uh, I don't know what characters they're playing, but. Oh, they're going to play Galadriel and Freddie Mercury, of course. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's going to be a really weird time travel sequence. It is wild. It, it, it dovetails with Quentin Tarantino stuff right there. It's a spinoff from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> All right. And in Vulcan, Alberta, Canada news. Yes. Yes. Well, here we go, people. Congratulations to Mason Moore, age nine. Moore has been named the Vulcan Municipal Library's 2023 Eager Young Reader Award recipient. There you go. He read every Star Trek book they had in the <laughs> possible online. The fourth, grade, the fourth grade student was a bit of a reluctant reader when he first came to Vulcan's library, said manager Connie Clement. Moore and his family have been living in the Vulcan area for over a year now, with Moore, his mother, and baby brother coming to the library weekly. Nice. Wait, that kind of dovetails with this show tonight. What were we reviewing? That's right. That's right. Wait, so maybe he's even read this book. They've been coming to the library weekly. Like they need help. W-E-A-K. They do. They're just kind of like flopping around uh, trying to get to the door and somebody has to open it for them. They should be yeah. going to the gym. <laughs> what? So <laughs> you don't get a reading award for going to the gym. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. <laughs> By the way, I yeah. haven't mentioned this before. So mm-hmm. in a bit more Trek related. The Vulcan uh, Advocate is where we get a lot of these news stories from. The masthead for the Vulcan Advocate to prove that they are, you know, Star Trek HQ. Oh, that. Vulcan, Enterprise. there's an Enterprise. Yeah. Very nice. Right there in the masthead. Well, it's a starship. Okay. Apparently. Okay. Yes, it is, a, it is a starship. It is a generic starship. No, no. Apparently, it, constellation it, it, class. It could be a, a stand-in for a number of uh, of 
ships we've seen on Star Trek over the years. Or pizza well, they cutters. Have their, they have their own right, uh, right out front ship as well. So it could, right. it could be that. Yeah. Could very well be that. All right. All right. That wraps up the um, the news stories. However, we have links to a 117 additional stories. To what happens Broken when you up. don't show up for work. I'm telling you. <laughs> Broken up no by kidding. series, movies, and other categories. The Those in- are just the ones from today. The inbox piled up fast. Mm-hmm. Now, they include stories about the uh, frantic pre-production process for Star Trek Beyond. And Justin Lin has some interesting stories about the writing going on for that one and how he and uh, Simon Pegg like, each quit like several times during the process of writing the thing. I know. I'm actually surprised it turned out as good as it did. Indeed. They, yeah, um, part of it is he was brought in, like he gets this phone call from JJ saying, Hey, you like Star Trek? Well, you want to do a Star Trek movie? Oh, he's going to ask me to come over and watch a movie. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so the, you know, he gets the, okay, you're going to be the director. Great. Let's, let's get moving on. Uh, by the way, it's going to be, you know, pre-production starts in like six months. What? Yeah. Now, now pre-production means that you're telling the customers you know, the rough idea of what you're going to have for aliens, the makeup people, yeah. uh, if you're going to need special sets built. So you have to know in six months, pretty for certain what this script is. And they're in like a lot of the, I'm quitting. I'm glad that people walking out of rooms and having all sorts of struggles, but yet yeah, you're correct that it's very surprising because that movie came out pretty darn good. It did. And you know what? That that whole scenario you just laid out there sounds like at work, somebody forgot to call me four months ago for a project. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh, by the way, uh, and, and next week we got to do this. So there's also a story there about how the actor who played Tuvix really feels about what happened to his character and how Shatner feels about A.I. Kirk. So all that and much, much more in 117 articles. But with that said, it's time for one of my favorite parts of the show. And that's when I get to say goodbye, Charlie. I want to stay, stay, stay. I'm just going to play that at the end of the cruise. I want to stay, stay, stay. You need to cosplay as Charlie on the way out. Well, your name's there. You got the name right. Yeah, see? You just need that. You just need that outfit. It's a pretty, pretty simple outfit that and, uh, that Charlie and, has. And you need to be translucent. I don't know how you're going to pull that. Yeah, up. that part is a little hard. Do I get to slap do. people on the backside? <laughs> you don't do that, Charlie. We explained <laughs> that to you before. Stand one of the. I'm out. Exits. <laughs> yeah. All right, so it's time to head out on our main mission with an appropriate sound effect. Hmm. Hmm. How about that? Uh, I'm sure. getting nothing on in subspace. Well, we don't need other subspace chatter because we're going to talk about a book. So, Chuck, why don't you uh, start us off with a little bit of info? All right. This is a book, Star Trek Voyager, novel number six, The Murdered Son, as in S-U-N, not S-O-N. Hmm. First published in February of 1996, written by Christy Golden. And Christie has written many novels and several short stories in the fields of science fiction, fantasy, and horror, including over a dozen World of Warcraft and Starcraft stories. She's also co-authored three books from the now-finished 
Fate of the Jedi series of that other star name franchise. Then the star not be named. <laughs> <laughs> Golden wrote novels based on Steven Spielberg's Invasion America animated television show, and film producer and screenwriter Harv Bennett was so impressed with her work that he invited her to Hollywood to write for the show. However, the show was not released, renewed for a second season. The Murdered Son was Golden's first Star Trek novel. She's gone on to write a whopping 14 more. Wow. Some people don't know when to quit. The majority of which were centered around Star Trek Voyager. Mm. And the short synopsis for this book is, when sensors indicate a possible wormhole nearby, Captain Janeway is eager to investigate, hoping to find a shortcut back to the Federation. Instead, she discovers a solar system being systematically pillaged by a warlike Acurans. Acurans? All right. The last thing Janeway wants is to get caught up in somebody else's war, but to check out the wormhole and to protect the innocent inhabitants of v- uh, Vern- Varuna. Four, she has no choice but to take on the Akrons. But who knows what unexpected dangers lurk beneath the crimson glow of the murdered sun? We have to go wah, check out wah. that wormhole. Mm. <laughs> There's coffee uh, in that murdered hole. Yes, Lieutenant exactly. Paris lay in a course. Actually, coffee is mentioned before you get to the end of the first page of this book. <laughs> oh, really? dear heavens. <laughs> of course. So, you know, with Janeway, it's all about the coffee. You well, might have a problem get if the doctor to just inject some caffeine. And, and just... interestingly enough, at one point she actually has tea and she's not going, uh, tea. She's, <laughs> she's, she's having some, I think it's herbal tea, even. Hmm. There's some green like, tea in that nebula. Yeah. And people go, <laughs> so who cares? <laughs> Does it have the same kind of ring? Hi, biscuits. <laughs> hey. All right. All right. As, as, uh, as outlined there, Uh, The long-range sensors on Voyager detect a possible wormhole in a nearby planetary system, and they say, hey, it's almost along our way. Let's go investigate. Maybe we'll be able to get home early. But instead, they find something weird. It's this thing that they call the concavity because it has the characteristics of both a wormhole and a black hole. Yeah, a huge black hole. And it's consuming the sun in the system, which is on the verge of becoming a red giant. But the weird thing is that the gravitational pull of the concavity is minimal. And the sun is far too young to have reached the red giant stage. The concavity is aging the star by pulling away hydrogen at a rate much higher than the weak gravitational pull should allow. And there are still indications that there is a wormhole within the black hole. So I don't we're, think we're that's possible. Yeah, we're going deep into the matrix here, people. That's right. Now, to on top of all of this stuff going on, there, there's several planets that they're they're scanning for life, and they come across this buoy that says, "You have violated," and I'm going to pronounce it, "a Kyrian space." Okay. Retreat immediately. Now, Neelix has never actually seen the Kyrians, but has heard stories about them. Of course, he's saying. Saying, hey, I, I heed the word and let's get out of here because he says that the Akirian Empire was built through conquest and plundering. Wow, and you know what? You are... sound just like him, by the way. Captain, I think we should. I think we should steer clear of these people. 
Yeah. <laughs> they they sound more like like Vikings from your 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 history records. Pillaging and looting and I know it's kind of a cross between Neelix and Woody Allen at that point. No, no, anyway, no. <laughs> um, you're sliding into Woody Allen. They're they're tall, bipedal, uh, strong, and usually wear heavy armor, uh, right down to wearing helmets and masks. So they're very mysterious. They have warp capability and shields technology, and he just says, "Let's get out of here." But the problem is that Voyager can't assess whether or not there actually is a wormhole there unless they go into the system because they just can't get good enough readings off of this thing. Mm-hmm. So as they're going through the system, heading towards the uh, this concavity, they get a hail from the planet, uh, Varuna 4, and the crew gets their first glimpse of the Varunans, sort of a tall, muscular, humanoid lizard. And Chakotay is instantly struck by the similarity between them and one of his animal spirit guides in his visions. Hmm. So he feels an immediate connection to these people. And they're speaking with a uh, with Nata, who's a Baha'i or an elder of their people. And she says that this concavity they refer to as the Sun Eater. It showed up several millennia ago, followed by the arrival of the more technically advanced than themselves, Akirians. She says the Akirians are able to cause the ground to tremble. And they've begun to, and they began almost immediately taking away some of the Varunians, and they still do. They just come and take a few of them whenever they want. They just eventually they, we'll get them all. She what she describes is clearly they're beaming them onto this ship. Okay. Oh. Now the Varunians have have just entered the space age. And they barely have satellites up around. So they don't have the ability really to fight back against this. And Tuvok says, Tuvok says, I'm saying Tuvok, Tuvok says that the planet will become inhospitable to, to life in just about 24.3 years because you've got a giant red sun that really shouldn't be a red sun at this point bearing down on them and it is baking their planet. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, they're suffering under harsh conditions as it is. Just as that's happening, as if that's not enough, yeah. a small Varunan scout ship, because they do have some capabilities, appears out of the concavity, like just comes right out and is followed by two ominous looking Akirin vessels. And they fire a gravity distortion wave at the scout ship and they destroy it. But not before the pilot is able to transmit information about the Akirian base inside the concavity to Vihanata. And the information also goes to Voyager because they intercept this thing. Janeway says, uh, I know it's kind of a private thing, but let's get that info too. find out what's going on here. That's the eavesdrop. It is. It is. Linnaeus, commander of the lead Icarian ship, Victory, demands that Voyager surrender because Voyager, as you recall, got a warning. Don't come here. We don't want to, we don't want, you know. They've been out. in that situation before. Mm-hmm. Well, so they obviously are not going to surrender. When Janeway refuses, they fire the gravity wave at Voyager. Oh, no, we just saw what it did to the scout ship. So clearly it's got to, it did nothing. Absolutely nothing. What happens is that the gravity wave that they fire, the gravity weapon, 
operates along the same basic principle as Voyager's graviton shields. Oh, that was and fortunate. So, yeah, so it, it kind of just bounces off, or and and uh, Tuvok says that if they increase their gravity wave weapon at us, it's just going to resi- meet equal resistance from the shield. So we've got nothing to worry about. I am rubber. You are glue. <laughs> so, of course, that's your first clue that there's something to worry about. Because we got nothing to worry about. While that's happening, remember, there were two ships that came through. So the other ship is firing on the planet. And it does major damage. It causes all sorts of issues. Excuse me. One second. While I... There we go. <laughs> and that's how uh, And um, so Janeway is getting a little perturbed by this because now they're just firing on what she considers to be innocent people. Certainly this is an unfair fight because you've got a technical advanced ship, you know, shooting this, these gravity waves at these people that barely made it into space at this point. Right. So she fires some warning shots across the bow of the ship firing at the planet and nah, they just keep firing away. So they take out, the the engines of that ship and disable it, which should indicate that they're not to be messed with. However, the other ship, the Victory, decides to shoot off these probes. And there's um, five or six probes. And the probes come out. They're very small. And Jane was trying to figure out if other people inside those things. <laughs> Well, she doesn't want to fire on it because she doesn't know if there's anybody on them. So far, they haven't killed anyone. They've just disabled a, you know, disabled that ship. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure it out, but apparently there's distortion from the gravity waves. So they, the sensors aren't able to get a lock to figure out what's going on. And they're getting closer and closer and closer. But everyone's going, okay, so if it's like the other thing, they're just going to bounce off. Well, apparently not so. What happens is that they latch onto the shield because they have like uh, shields themselves and they begin sucking away the shield from Voyager, making a hole in the shields. Oh. Yeah. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Everything's everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Victory then takes advantage of that and fires, and it it does damage. And these spheres keep getting larger, further apart from each other. So the hole keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. When they're able to determine that there is no one inside the shields, uh, inside the spheres, Janeway says, great, take them out. And they, they shoot and destroy one of them immediately. And then the second one explodes. And the third one explodes and the fourth and the fifth, they all explode and it rips open a whole huge section of the shields for victory to get at. And then they manage to get out of that and they fire at the victory and they do enough damage that, okay, the first ship is incapacitated. The second ship now has had problems. It, it, it is not functioning completely well, and that'll be important in a moment. So the victory beams over the people from the, the disabled ship and they take off. And it's important 
to notice that there was damage because they don't head for the concavity that they came out of. They're heading in a different direction. And it turns out where they're headed is they're headed back to their home planet because without shielding, they can't, they can't go, go into yeah. the concavity. All right. With me so far on this one? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. All right. Let me take myself down here. Uh, la, 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 la. So Janeway is obviously very interested in the concavity and wants to find out, is there indeed a wormhole inside this thing? And so far, nothing, nothing. She, she asks what damage was done to the plant. She asks uh, Mata, the, uh, the elder, and there was thousands of people apparently were killed and they destroyed two of their hatching uh, pits, which is where the younglings Hmm. are all, all in these pits together. And when someone wants to have a child, they go and they, they get one of the children. So first, somebody's confused. So you don't know who the parents are of these children. Does that matter? (laughs) Everybody's wanted. Everybody's loved. Why do we need, you know, why Hmm. does it matter to us about that? I'm thinking, well, this thing's about, Breeding, you might want to check on, but uh, or, or or genetic <laughs> abnormalities, yeah, 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 child support, uh, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, so, again, Chakotay has felt this instant, instant connection, but Paris is kind of repulsed by these creatures, these reptiles. These reptiles, he he doesn't like reptiles, and it's really funny because in the end of the scene. He's I wonder why st- he doesn't like reptiles. Well, I checked. I checked. He's a salamander. Star date. I checked the start date. This is before that, and he okay. and Jane we have a conversation, like the, a two line conversation about this. And he says, "I just, I don't like them." And she says, "Oh, I kind of like, I kind of like lizards." I'm going, I, "You'll, you'll change your mind later on." <laughs> More of an amphibian person myself. Yeah, yeah they, Clinton. They call that foreshadowing. Yeah, but it's <laughs> snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> right. So um at that point, they want to go down and, and lend some aid to the um uh Verunians Verunans uh, to to help with their, their injured, but apparently they also um have some sort of plan for how they might be able to uh, the, the Verunans. Have have some indication that they they might be able to help in this fight to re, you know regain their their freedom if you will uh, from the Icarians. So Janeway sends down Chakotay because he wants to go down there and, and speak with them. He feels like he can ask questions that no one else would think of because it seems like these people are very much like his people. Uh, and he he thinks that he can make that connection. They send down Torres, and they sent down Paris, because if there's some way for them to be fighting back, that they have some sort of ship, like we saw that little scout ship, then maybe they can lend a hand with some repairs. You're walking that fine line here, however, because you're, you're treading the edge of the prime directive, at this point. And at, at yep. one point, Torres, uh, looking at one of the ships that they have, has a conversation with Chakotay saying, you know, they're real close. They're real close to 
you know, having like, you know, cloaking devices and this, these other things. And if I just put a little bit of, and he said, no, can't yeah. do it. And she's all upset at first. And he says, Hey, look, don't concentrate on the stuff that you can't do. That's not going to help anybody concentrate on the stuff that you can do. Take what they've got and make, you know, the best of it. Well, it turns out what they have is actually pretty nice because although above ground, it's a wasteland on this planet, below ground, they come across this, what Paris describes as this beautiful, beautiful little ship about the size of a shuttle, but it looks like a hawk, but the wings are turned backwards. And this is an ancient ship from the ancestors. And they've spent forever trying to understand, relearn this technology about how to use this vessel. This is something that Torres and Paris are able to help with because it's they've gotten very far along in figuring things out. But these, you know, the people from Voyager can say, oh, well, this is a mm, and that's a mm, and you do this and you do that. And that's how that works. Mm-hmm. And it's fortunate because the Varunans have photographic memories. So as they're being instructed what to do, they may have questions about it, but they don't have to say, could you go over that again? Because I don't really. <laughs> right. Now, we talked about the stories that the Varunans have. And in this case, it comes, becomes very important because Chicote, speaking with Mata, she tells him the story about, um, what is it? Let's see if I've got that specifically listed out here. Do, 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 do. Uh, the, the soul's journey to truth. And this story, you know, Chakotay is listening to this fable, talks about the soul that founded six guardians, courage, faith, conviction, kindness, wisdom, and love, and learned from them. And with their help, the soul reached its destination. And then Chakotay realizes what she's saying because one of the ships, that ship that they were all Googling over is called Conviction. That those six guardians are six of these ships and they're being worked on below ground where Mm -hmm. sensors can't get at them all over the place, trying to get them all up and running. And they're all kind of at the same state, just, you know, close, close, but eh, not quite, haven't quite got it. And time's running out. So we need, we need to get this done. And then you just need the screw. Yeah. And that's it. And the screwdriver. And that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. Then of course the logical question is okay that's the that's the guardians well, what about the soul and where Mata and Chakotay have walked to while she's telling talking about the story they end up in this big field and the ship is right below the surface it's a huge colony ship hmm. and they go inside of it and there are some they're not traps. And I think that's one of the issues with this story. It's kind of weird, but there are, let's call them tests that automated systems throw at Chakotay and Mata. And of course, Chakotay is going, ah, 
but <laughs> As <he> because does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and not in a good way. <laughs> but because the Varunans have a photographic memory, these stories that they tell are actual history. They're not metaphors. They are actual things. So it's a call and response almost. And she's able to give all the correct answers. And they're able to then power up that ship as well and you know get information off the ship that tells them, and here's some more information about the Guardians that you probably want to know. Here's schematics and here's this and that. So they're able to get all the information they need to get these things up and ready to go. Now, meanwhile, we got two other things happening. First of all, uh, the Akarian ship has gone back to its home world okay. to, to be repaired. And the, um, the, the commander in charge of the ship that Voyager took out, um, the commander of the victory relieves him of command, um, you know, shall we say, and puts his second in command in charge, makes him a first warrior in charge of that ship. Now, this warrior, whose name is uh, Garia, Garia was the one who convinced uh, Linnaeus, the the captain of the victory, to beam over the crew from the other ship. Rather, what Linnaeus wanted to do was just leave them to suffer in their victory and be, you know, uh, killed by the, the crew of this alien ship and blah, 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 blah. He's beginning to think, I'm not sure the captain is all there, really. But, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, you know, he's a warrior. Mm-hmm. And the warriors in this, uh, in, in this society have, have pretty much free reign in what they do. Uh, there is a, um, there's a queen. Uh, so they do have to go back and report to her about what happened. But they also said that they're not going to let her in on the secret. And we find out what that secret is a bit later on. Then they're going to be heading back, right back where they where they were, to go after Voyager again. All right? At the same time, Ensign Kim, that spy we all know and love, <laughs> has, has been working with the information that they got not only from that mm-hmm. intercepted uh, communique between the Vrunen scout ship uh, and the planet, but they also went over to the disabled Akirian ship uh, and Kim was able to easily get into their computer system and get a bunch of information off of there as well. So he puts together this entire presentation about the, the Akirian empire and how it came to be. And they were, apparently they were, um, the home world of of the Icarians is a not very nice place. It's it's very it's a hostile environment. So they have gone outward to expand off of the planet. So they have uh, several captured uh, planets along the way, but they kept going further and further. They eventually ended up in the Vrunin system where they found this concavity. And the concavity 
they decided, I guess we're going to go inside this thing. And they had, at that point, they had shields because this is, this is millennia ago that they, that they did this. They went inside and not only do they have a base inside there now, but when they went inside, there is an entire planet inside the concavity. Wow. And the planet is a dead world. And on that dead world, the Icarians were able to essentially mine the information of a more technically advanced civilization than their own. And the military decided to keep that part of the information from <laughs> the folks back at the palace. Of course. The military. You know, that they're just doing stuff out mm-hmm. there, you know, someplace there. They're, they're doing things. And we're, we're using these, these, um, there's other people as slaves and, you know, to, to do the excavating for us, which is what indeed why the um, Varunans are being taken is because they're being used as a workforce to do the actual, because this is not a, you can imagine it's not a very inviting environment inside of this, whatever this thing is, this concavity. Sure. Yeah. So they don't want, they're not doing it themselves. They'll, they have guards in there, but they're not doing any of this themselves. Uh, so he explains all of that backstory. And then there's one more thing that he says, oh, and by the way, I've got a, I, I know they always have their helmets with the masks on, but in one of these recordings, I found a picture of one of them without their masks on and end of, end of chapter as, as Janeway and, and, Tuvok, look at this picture. Now, I'm going to go off. I, I don't have a lot of notes at this point, but I, I, we're, we're kind of at the point where uh, I feel like the strengths and weaknesses of the story are, are showing because that conversation that Kim has with Janeway and Tuvok, which is not even a third of the way through the book. Right. Okay, so they've got They've got masks on, so you can't see their faces, and people are shocked when they see who those faces are. It could be one of two things. It can be either the crew of Voyager in some sort of weird time travel thing, mm-hmm. or they can look like the Varunans. And guess what? What? Yeah, it's the second one. And, so to me, tipping your hand that much that early in the story mm-hmm. just kind of and matter of fact, they, they do it a second time later on when they brief Chicago. <laughs> oh, if you didn't get it the first time. Yeah. I, and it, it almost it, it makes the ending feel very rushed, which it is. It's only a couple of you know, a couple of pages long, the, the ending of the story. So eventually what happens is they're able to get the the ships off of the um, the guardians off, but they don't have shields of their own. So they're protected by Voyager with inside Voyager shields. And uh, Paris is leading um, the, the group that's going to go in and the group of Varunans are going to go in, land on the planet, get their people and get back out. Voyager is going in to find out, is there a wormhole in here? (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of been the whole point of the story. Right. Right. So they still don't know 
whether that that's the case. By the way, this by this point, Paris is no surprise overcome his aversion to look made, made you know made some friends you know so he's he's kind of changing his whole attitude about stuff which which pleases Janeway because he's been showing a lot of initiative in the story and this is really a a Janeway Chakotay Paris story because we got obviously the story is using center on a couple of characters and and in this one Paris is you know, firing on all cylinders with a lot of stuff that he, that he does. And, and Kim seems to just be able to do everything, but he's a spy, you know. So what yeah. can I tell you about that part of it? So when they're about to go in, all the Akirian ships show back up because timing is everything. And Voyager has to fight off those ships and protect the, the little scout ships and, and get through the concavity and get inside. They have to, they have to, the, the little ships have to break off. One of the ships comes in to pursue. Now the ship that comes in to pursue, well, Linnaeus, the guy that's going, oh, I'll get you in your little dog too. Uh, I can, <laughs> I can, well, I can take this down now because, oh, uh, this was my really rough of what Varunin looks like. It's kind of a lizard person. I put a little, uh, they have a, 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 a white mane like that, that goes down the back and they're wearing they wear robes and so forth so it's like it's from the dark crystal or or gremlins stripe (laughs) and Ah. you know kieran kind of looks that way if you will just armor and they got horns on the on the top of their helmets and so forth anyway so the ship that comes in is the one captained by the person who was questioning whether or not linnaeus was in his right mind and he's been doing some stuff since they've come back that is still a bit bonkers the 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 attack moves he's been making and the you know kind of that con level vengeance type of you know overriding reason type right. of thing so when uh keep keep garia goes inside he doesn't follow orders and seek out an attack voyager they talk, which is something that Linnea said, do not communicate at all with these, with these, you know, these aliens don't. And he goes ahead and does it. Janeway says, look, when we leave here, we're blowing this thing closed. We're, you know, so I think you should just spend your time getting out of here. So he thinks about it and he goes, uh, that's probably going to do. Matter of fact, what you need to do first is go and get your guards off of the planet because we've already taken the Varunans off the planet. So, uh, you know, off that that dead world, you might want to get your people and then leave. So, as Voyager turns to leave, you know, the other ship turns around and doesn't go for Voyager. Heads towards the planet to pick up its people. They're heading back out of the concavity because they've there's they've asked they've even asked you know. The Akirians, is there a wormhole in here? And the, the answer is obviously no. There isn't a wormhole in here. Right. Sort of. Sort uh, of. Sort of. <laughs> so Linnaeus is coming into the concavity and he's not going to go, oh, fun time. Let's all be, you know, friends. He has now entered and he is going to fire at Voyager. And the problem is that. We noticed that when the scout ship and the Akarians came out of the concavity, they weren't firing at each other. 
because it's too volatile in that space. Yeah. I, I was going to say, you probably don't want to be firing inside the concavity. So this is kind of indicating, you know, well, it's kind of going to have to deep end here. They get out. I mean, Voyager and the other ship get out and Linnaeus turns and fires anyway and just the whole thing and it's gone. That leaves us with a question about, okay, so what the heck was going on here? What, why would the concavity, why would, you know, the the people, the, 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 the two civilizations, what happened was that there was a mother planet, if you will. And this is the first introduction of an apostrophe in this story. The Kashika <laughs> K apostrophe right. S-H-I-K-K-A-A. This world was a dying world. It was actually its sun was turning was actually turning into a red giant. They sent out several colony ships. One of them landed where the Akirians are. One of them landed where the Veronians are. And of course, this was millennia ago. So you lose, you know, you don't remember. I mean, even though you got a photographic memory, you can't have everything. <laughs> so they, they, and they kind of changed their look a little bit based on the planets they were on. So one's a bit, you know, gruffer, the other one's much more agile. But essentially, they're the same. All right, that explains that part of it. What's the deal with the concavity? When the sun was going supernova, there was a wormhole nearby. And the wormhole, so this is on the the mother planet. When the sun explodes, it stretches that wormhole in all these odd shapes. And it stretches out in this direction and that direction. And it stretches out toward the Varunan system. I, I think they, I don't know if they're implying whether that, that planet was in the Varunan system or not, but they, it basically it reaches out and it sucks in this entire planet, kills everyone on the planet. Right. And it's sucking this thing in there. Then over time, the wormhole starts to shrink. And it's closed up at one end now, sealed off at one end. So it's a wormhole, but it's no longer functioning as that you go through here and you come out there type of thing. So that's why it has some elements of what they can detect elements of what would be a wormhole, but it really isn't anymore. Not, not in the sense that you would, you know, want to use it that way, but it's shrinking. And so the warrior Akirians come up with a Akirians come up with a great idea. We will keep it open with a variation of what caused all this stuff to begin with, with the with the red giant explosion. We'll suck off the hydrogen into the concavity and keep it open and keep it functioning. So they are killing the entire planetary system so they can keep it open and keep mining the planet. And now that's gone. So they come face to face with each other on Voyager, the, the, uh, the, the captain of the Kirin ship, uh, Mata, and the queen of the Kirin people. And we get another slide presentation on the holodeck 
explaining all of this. And it's it's kind of a beginning of an understanding between these two races because now they kind of really need each other. The, right. the, the Varunans can't stay where they are. They they've now have a century rather than a quarter of a century yeah. to get off of that planet, but they still got to get off of it. And, you know, the, the Karens, they, their, their planet is pretty much dead and they don't have access to any more of this easy route technologies so that you, you, you're going to have the symbiotic relationship going on here mm-hmm. between the two of them. And in a side note, Paris makes such an impression upon one of the pilots in the Varunan brigade that when she decides to take a mate oh, no. and, and pick a child from <laughs> the pit, uh-huh. they name him Tom Paris. <laughs> <laughs> so much that? for the prime directive. Yeah. So the prime directive kind of gets, you know, some lip service here and there, and they really kind of skirt around it a lot of times. But I don't know. I I just felt like there were a couple. Of, also, I felt like in this book that you would have minor issues. Like, okay, they're firing on us with the gravity wave. Oh, well, Voyager shields can, can take that. Right, we have a minor inconvenience that we've got these pods, but we take care of that and everything's fine. And Voyager doesn't really have another problem, even though there are five Akirian ships that come back to take care of Voyager. Um, Kim is able to get into this computer system on a whim. They must have Starfleet security. He, yeah. You know, he, yeah, he's able, that's right. They're downloading all our records. Uh, <laughs> he's able to, not only, not only he's able to go through all the information from the, from the scout, from the Kieran ship and come up with the stuff, put together this giant presentation about all of it. You know, just, um, just, the the like as I said, there were no real traps on the soul ship. There were just mm, challenge response things, kind of like riddle me this Batman type of things. And <laughs> right. you know that that's that's a, it, the 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 threat level was oddly low for people who were going to be dead in twenty four point three years unless they got off that planet. And somebody was trying to like make sure they didn't and all sorts of issues. So I thought, I thought the setup was better than the execution on it. Mm-hmm. That you, I would have liked a little bit more tension. You know, you, you even have that scene with Torres and, and Chicote about arguing about, well, we can just give them some more tech and that's over in a half a page, you know? Okay. We're back no, to com- it. No real conflict there. Yeah. And the, you know, Paris doesn't have any problem because they have photographic memories. So immediately when they leave the planet, they are flying in, you know, wing formation to each other. When they land on the planet and are rescuing, when they, the, the planet inside the concavity and they're rescuing the other people, they're all got weapons and they're firing the weapons. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, it just felt like uh, hmm. there was drama in here, but it just seemed to fall short on, on happening. So I don't know, you know, if, if you recall, because it was probably fairly recent for you, your your book, uh, Craig. Do you feel like there was more in the way of 
high stakes in yours? Um, because I don't know if this is kind of the way the authors are told. To do I don't this. know that there was really high stakes. Um, I'm trying to recall now. It's like old man mode's kicking in. We, ha- I'm like, oh, it's been a while since we talked about it. Um, I don't remember it being super high stakes or anything. So uh, keep that in mind, Chuck, because I'm going to ask you about that when we do your. Yeah, I'm I'm well. about halfway through, and it's it's muted. <laughs> Just muted. leave it at that for now. I'll I'll, I'll get to the the real story yeah. when I get there. Which is a good segue to me saying that our next episode is going to be on March 7th because Chuck and Craig are going on Star Trek: The Cruise Seven. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. And after the episode after that, after everybody's back from all some follow up travel, uh, which is on uh, March 21st, Chuck will give his uh, Trek book report. And Chuck, again, the name of your book. I know it's a. Uh, Did I write it down? Did I write it down? I don't have it on my desk. Let me look real quick. I have pages and pages of notes. It is called DS9 Vengeance. Okay. All right. And then after that, we're still not sure when Discovery is going to premiere. I mean, we're in February now. Just give us the date. I did. You have April 4th on here, and I think I did see that floating around today. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Well, I mean, we're planning on that being the first the review of the first uh discovery episode of the season our backup plan is to do and we'll do this some other time if it doesn't happen then is to do a a show and tell of different star trek things that we all have um and probably closer to that i might want to say if people want to send in photos of you know some trek things that they have and a little story about you know what the deal is with those we could show those at the same time right uh, we'll we'll do that Remind people about that a bit um, later on. All right. So I wanted to get the IMDb is showing episode one as April 2024. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping it's on the fourth because, you know, it's just been such a long time and it's right there. And my feeling was that because they're doing that sneak peek of the first episode at South by Southwest, it's got a, you know, if you're talking about April and and that's in March. So it's, it, it's got to be early on in the month. I just can't. So hopefully it'll be April 4th. May, 4th, may the 4th be with you. Indeed. <laughs> hey, by the way, just to let you know, um, a side note, today they uh, uh, on the Star Trek YouTube channel, mm-hmm. they posted a behind the scenes of the Star Trek Very Short Treks where they were talking with some of the um, developers. It's kind of a puff piece, but... You know the people, developers, the uh, artists that were working on it. Rather, they were they kind of show their process a little bit and talk about it, uh, making it. Oh, so that's not the one where um, the person was saying that you know we had we had ten stories and you know they they chose five of them. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <clears throat> and no. one of them was worst contact. What the heck were the other ones? <laughs> no, they're uh, but they talk about their process and talk about working with Paramount and how excited they were and how how they love Star Trek and blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And um, anyway, you can go check it out. It's a short video on the Star Trek YouTube channel. Okay. 
Cool. All right. Any other business before it's time to refill the dilithium chambers and warp on out of here? I do not. I'm going to have to go look at my notes for my book. Like, like you mentioned, I don't remember the stakes being super high or anything. Nothing the here. Stakes, the stakes could never be more middle of the road. All right. Well, since it's about to refill, about time to refill the dilithium chamber, you can find me, Clinton, at Comedy Forecast, all one word with the number four for my audio theater podcast. That's right, Nick. It's an audio theater <laughs> podcast. Let it go, Clinton. It's okay. <laughs> well, did I mention anything about Conan this week? So, see, I didn't do that. <laughs> did I? Uh, just now. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Tricked myself. Yeah. Street broken. <laughs> and and who speaks for you guys? I'll do it. So go search for Technorama Podcast on Google or any other place that you find your fine podcast, and you'll find our fine podcast, Technorama Podcast, 19 years and going, which is Clinton's also a 19-year-old podcast. Mm-hmm. So we're old. We're at f- almost 40 years of podcasting between us all. No, 60. Math was yeah, math, math is, is not a strong hard. point. Yeah. <laughs> Two. Neither is hum- neither is humor. Yeah. So anyway, what? Come on. <laughs> so, so anyway, go check us out. Find us anywhere. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Time to hit the theme, boys. I gotta hit the volume first. Oh. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend about it and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on X at The Topic is Trek. Visit our Facebook page or visit thetopicistrek.com. Until next time, on behalf of Chuck, Craig, and myself, I'm Clinton, thanking you for listening. And as we always say here on The Topic is Trek, don't, don't put on, on the red, red shirt. shirt. Don't you look like this guy. I don't know what he's doing, but that's not a face. That doesn't look good. Got a fever. turning to his own red son. <laughs> <laughs>